You are tuning in to the Live, Play, Work series, a collaboration with AtChat from the Independent Living Centre of WA and Visibility. We'll be using the term assistive technology, sometimes referred to as AT. AT is any equipment, device, aid or system enabling a person with a disability more independence. Hi, you're with Danielle Loisu-Lake from At Chat at the Independent Living Centre WA. We are here live at the Visibility Radio On Demand studio recording the assistive technology Live, Play, Work series. In the studio with me today, I have Visibility Occupational Therapist Karen. Hi, Danielle. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And Zell, who is an expert assistive technology user. Hi, Zell. Hi, and thanks for having me. Great. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing work and how assistive technology can help you in the workplace. Now, we know that all play and no work can make, well, work is good for us. And if you're a little bit unnerved by the workplace, don't worry. Here are some of the most exciting or relevant assistive technology that can help you to give off your best and make work both financially and intellectually rewarding. Before we get started today, I'm just going to ask Karen to tell us a little bit about herself. Um, Thanks, Danielle. So um, I am an occupational therapist here at Visibility, and I've been here for about five years now, working in our home visiting department for adult services and also in our assistive technology department in the regional areas of Australia. Thank you. And Zell? Yes, so I was born blind. And I have been educated, I've been working, socialising, all with no sight, and all quite effectively. I've also got my own business called Inclusive World, which is a disability consultancy, and I work with AtChat. Great. And that's why we refer to you as an expert assistive technology user, because you are very efficient in the assistive technology you use to get uh, your work done effectively and efficiently. The first question that we are going to go to today is from Gail, and Gail asks, what are the best screen readers available at the moment? Let's start with you, Karen. Um, I think with a lot of assistive technology, something to be mindful of is that it's not necessarily a one one thing's going to be the best thing for everyone yeah. uh, and that you really do need to maybe try a couple of different things if you've got that opportunity to find the right one that's working for you because the environment makes a difference. The tasks that you're trying to do make a difference. Um, and so, where can you trial some of these things? Uh, we, we do... Um, some trial to some levels here at Visibility. Yes. Uh, it depends on how you're going through that process. So if you're already in a, in a workplace, you might have to go through an assessment to have somebody come out and show you those things. So um, what would you suggest when yeah. it comes to trialing? Because we don't want to spend too much money up front on something that might not work for you. Have you got any suggestions for that? Yeah, sure. So sometimes you have to try, uh, well, sometimes you use two screen readers as well. So you're not reliant on just one. And so my main screen reader that I use is JAWS because that's what I've used for so long. Mm-hmm. Now, you can download a trial version of okay. JAWS. Just remembering that lots have free trials. <laughs> yes. Yes, great. <laughs> and so you can trial JAWS for 45 minutes per session. Okay. And So you download the software and you give it a try. Yes. Excellent. There's also another free software that I use called NVDA, Mm -hmm. which is 
I think it came out in 2008, nine, so it's much younger than Jaws. But in some ways, there's a bit more flexibility in NVDA than JAWS as well. So what I'm saying is there's things you can access using JAWS that you can't access with NVDA. Okay. And there's things you can access with NVDA that you can't with JAWS. Okay, great. So you use both of those. I might just go back to Karen. Uh, Karen, did you want to talk about some of the ones that you find people generally like best? So there are some combination programs that are both magnifiers and screen readers. And so one of the most common ones that we're aware of and commonly recommended is ZoomText. Yes. Uh, and that's because it's just really user-friendly. It can be used magnifier only, but it can also then apply a screen reading function. So you, it gives you that confidence that you're seeing what you think you're seeing correctly. Yes. And I guess with that, there's a newer program called ZoomText Fusion, which I'm not as familiar with, but my understanding of that one is it's kind of a bridge between ZoomText and JAWS. Yes. Um, and a bit of a linkage type program in there in terms of transitioning to a screen reading program. So that allows somebody whose vision might be changing to to transition to JAWS um, or oh, a fully okay. screen reading system. Am I right on that? Yes. Zell? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Great. Um, I, I just want to make a quick point that Zell and I were having a, a chat about earlier is that screen readers sometimes are only as good as the app or the document or mm-hmm. the, the program, the website as it's been created. So people designing and making web websites and programs and apps accessible in the first place so that they are designed to be able to be read by screen readers is going to give you a more successful outcome with your screen reading technology. Yes. So if you produce a text document as an image, which sometimes uh, happens when you, well, always happens when you scan a hard copy document into the computer and it's usually saved as PDF or whatever it's saved as, so it, you've got text, but it's presented as an image. It's not very readable no. to us. So PDFs using... are generally not very readable, are they? There is ways you yeah. can unlock it. They can be readable, though. I think to say that in general they're not readable is probably not correct. Okay. But there's ways to make it much more readable. And like I say, if you make it as a scanned image, it's not really readable. Although now there is technology where we get optical character recognition, okay. which recognises the shapes into letters and then makes them or converts them into uh, sound and then speaks out. So when would that be useful, Zell? I'm wondering if someone hasn't tried this technology, when is something like that useful? So one of the jobs I do is auditing. Yes. and when Auditing I, websites or? No, sorry, auditing disability employment services. Okay. So when I look at their paperwork, Often it's presented in PDF okay, and it's an image file usually. So when the file opens, the latest version of JAWS, JAWS 2018, will say that this is an image file and it may need um, optical character recognition and it gives you the option as to whether you want the um, recognition or not. Through JAWS as an added function yes. or you use a different system? We used to use a different system, but now JAWS does it. Great. So it's been much better okay. for us to be able to then uh, have full or some access to that document. Okay. I think Karen wanted to add to that. Just that ocular character recognition or OCR text-to-speech is more, I guess, the common word that people will put. I guess it's getting more and more 
available. Uh, and you can actually get apps on your phone now that will do OCR. So if you're not on your computer necessarily, but you have a hard copy document, you can now use your mobile phone mm-hmm. using an OCR app. So there's a okay. couple of different ones Let's out there. Let's talk about those. Do you know any of them off the top of your head? Before we get to that, I think it's uh, important to clarify that screen readers such as JAWS and NVDA and Fusion and ZoomText are used on laptops and PCs. Yes. And they are downloaded onto the computer. So external software? That's right. I think Microsoft is now working to change that. So ultimately, you can buy a computer in the future or you can buy a Windows um, package that has accessibility inbuilt into it. It hasn't happened yet. Great. And that's where we're working towards with universal design, where we have that inbuilt accessibility, the assistive technology built in, so it's more cost effective for people and everybody can use it. Yes. And we have that at the moment. In the Apple products? Yes. Well, with mobile phones. Yes. And Apple started it off and it's done a great job so that when you buy an iPhone, it automatically comes with software called VoiceOver that you can turn on in the settings and it will speak everything on the screen to you, whether you write it into the screen or whether uh, you're reading information off Mm -hmm. the screen. VoiceOver will tell you and it will give you access to a lot of the apps, uh, particularly the apps on that already come with the iPhone. Okay. So the great thing about that is you're not paying anything extra to get the device you're using to be accessible. And I think Android is actually doing that as well now. So on some Android phones, I believe the Galaxy products also have a software called TalkBack that you can actually um, turn on from the settings or execute from the settings. Did you want to add anything there, Karen? Yeah, absolutely. That Apple pioneered accessible off-the-shelf products, but certainly all your Android and Windows phones are starting to come along along and they're getting really, I guess they're catching up in some ways. Um, Some of the apps that do OCR through your phone, um, one of them is called Seeing AI. And that, seeing AI. Yep. Yes. So the word seeing, so S-E-E-I-N-G, and then the letters AI. And that's actually a free app and it will do a couple of different things. OCR is just one of them. So it has a short text feature. So if you're just checking the address on an envelope really quickly, it can do that. Yeah, so uh, they where, call it channels. Yeah. So it has okay. short text channels. It's got... Um, full document. Full document channel. It's got a face recognition channel. On this particular app? The yep. Seeing AI, yes. Yes. So I have you've a used problem it, have with yourself? the face recognition channel because it told me when I took a photo of myself that I was a 50-year-old man. <gasps> oh, dear. <laughs> I got a younger woman. I was really happy. <laughs> I don't know what you did, but I did you. <laughs> oh, that's... That technology needs some work. Okay, so so. I just, this is a little bit of a side note, but when we get, and Karen, if you've got any other apps, uh, we'll come back to that in just a minute. So give you a moment to think about that. But Zell, when we talk about websites being developed at creation to be accessible, we know that we've still got a long way to go there. And it's not something I want to go into detail on this episode, but I know you before have given feedback to organisations on improving their accessibility. What recommendation, very briefly, would you give to someone if they try to get on a website, they want to do, let's say, some shopping and they just can't because it's not accessible? What would you recommend they do? Contact the developers of the website or or the The company, company, sorry, if you can, and let them know that there's an issue. 
contact Blind Citizens WA or peer, any peer support group and let them know. And it's actually very difficult. Some I've often had to just surrender and get someone sighted to do things for me. Mm-hmm. It's really, really frustrating. It's actually not so difficult if the buttons are all labelled, if the links are all labelled, yes. if the pictures are described, then you don't have so many issues around accessibility. But unfortunately, those things aren't done Okay, and that's what we need for screen readers to work best. So I know that there's some places within the community, like the Centre for Accessibility that was recently launched, and uh, Dr Scott Hollier is working with that group to get some more accessibility, and he's doing some education in the workplace. Visibility will also do some web access consultancy as well and provide different organisations who are building new websites Mm. for their company or whatnot as well on how to make them accessible. So you can get some information and um, some of that through visibility as well. Yeah, And I also work with... um, WebKey IT, which is a website remedial company. So if you come across a website that has accessibility issues, then you can let them know and they can work on that as well. Okay, great. Now, Karen, did you have any more apps or do you think that... Yeah, just, I guess, a limitation of seeing AI is that it's currently only available on an iPhone or an Apple um, phone, not necessarily on an Android product. So there is another app called KNFB Reader, uh, and that's available. KNFB Reader. Yes. Is it uh, free? It is not. It's about $160, I believe. And why would I pay $160 for this app? What do I get out of it? Well, it's cheaper to get a $160 app rather than purchasing yourself a new phone, I guess, if you're already an Android user. Okay. Um, It's also a higher quality OCR product, not necessarily than seeing AI. I'm I'm not sure on the direct comparison there, I think. But then some of the cheaper alternatives of OCR that, that are available, it's a bit more accurate in terms of its interpretation. You can save documents, you can import them. Um, another advantage of KNFB Reader overseeing AI is that it doesn't run through using your data or need to be online to operate. Okay. So if you're not someone that's got access to lots of data through your mobile phone plan, it could be an alternative. It might be the outlay at first might be more expensive, but could save you Okay. Um, later. Great. Did you want to add anything there, Zell? Or are we happy to move on how you use uh, how you use assistive technology to get to and from work? I'm happy to talk about that because I like that topic. Yes. <laughs> so, on my phone, I have a few GPS navigation apps, and I have some favorites. Which um, are your favorites, Zell? So the thing is, one app doesn't do everything. Okay. So you rely on different apps to do different things. I get the uh, instructions on which public transport to use if I'm going somewhere or when I'm going somewhere using Google Maps. Mm-hmm. I find that really useful. And then when I'm on the move, uh, Apple Maps tells me exactly where I am. So, for example, if I'm at a particular, if I'm looking for an address and I come up to a building, then I can check with Apple to see what number of um, that building is, which is really cool. And then there are blindness-specific apps. So um, there's Blind Square, and there's one actually called Move It. Yeah, which is tell quite us about new. Move It. I yeah. think that lots of people would benefit from I this. I think so, because you put in an address, and it also, like Google, tells you what public transport you can use to get there and can give you directions once you get there, a walking directions on how to get there, which I don't find to be as well developed at the moment. I find I have to use other apps as well. 
but it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And so... And it tells you when you're coming up to your stop, when you're on a bus so or you're on a train. So when you're on a bus or train, usually I've not tried it on the train, but I've tried it lots on the bus. So a few stops before, like about, I don't know, 500 uh, metres before your stop, it'll tell you to get ready. And then when you're approaching your stop, it will actually say time to get off or get ready to get off. Okay, so, great. Now, is there any cost for Move It? No. Great. Is all there any, them are free. I think free. Blind Square, though, you do have to pay. Yes. Blind Square has a uh, like a social media app as well called Foursquare where you can talk to other blind and vision impaired users of the app. And do you find that useful? I haven't really used it that much, to be honest. I'm too busy trying to get from A to B. and sure. then. So you've just reeled off about four apps that you use to get to and from work. Is it always fail safe, Zell? Do you always get where you're going and do you always get there on time? Nope. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I get lost a lot. You get lost a lot. <laughs> but having the GPS apps now, especially that facility on Apple that tells me where I am, yes. I actually find that really useful in either correcting my directions or if I absolutely have to, to call a taxi and tell them what address I'm at or to call a family member and tell them okay. exactly where I am. Great. Now, thank I you. I use very little. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, ladies. I'm going to move on to the next question. Now, let's talk about headphones or headsets. I know that some people say that they don't like earbuds because they can give them ear infections. And there's so many headsets available on the market I think it also depends on aesthetically what ones you like. I know that some younger people like them to look a bit more trendy. Um, But let's just talk about practicality today. So, Karen, do you want to start on this topic? Um, Yeah. So with um, thinking the workplace in mind, I guess one of the potential, I guess, issues that I could see for someone is that if they might not necessarily feel if they're wearing headphones to either listen to their screen reader or anything like that, they might not necessarily be able to hear everything else that's going on in their environment. Someone says, hey, we're all going for lunch. But if they've got something in their ears, they might not necessarily catch that. Um, So there's this idea of bone conducting headphones. Yes. Um, I think this is also used a lot potentially in mobility as well. So you can still hear your environment and traffic and those sorts of things. I've got one. Yep. (laughs) Um, So yes. So I guess the idea of these headphones is that they actually sit on your temples outside of your ear canal. So they're not occluding at all. And the sound is conducted through your temples and through your bones. So you can still hear everything else that's going on around around you. you. Uh, Zell, I've seen you use them at work. Do you like them? They're great. The only problem with them is that they need recharging. Uh Uh-huh. And if you forget to recharge them, then you can't use them that day. Mm. And I've got a bad memory, so I tend to forget. So <laughs> you can I don't get use a cable as much as I like to. You can get a cable now for them as well. You can. Okay. And roughly, what do these bone conducting headphones cost? They're not cheap. No. Yeah, I I don't have a price I on them. I think <laughs> they would be about 150, but I might be being quite conservative. Okay. You don't remember how much you paid for them. No, I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but do you feel like you got your value out of them? Yes. You do, okay. And it gives you that hands-free capability where you can do things, you're not holding on to anything, you can move around. I tend to like talking on the phone and hanging the clothes while I've got my wireless headset because 
lots yeah. of things happening at once. Yeah. Uh, it's now, great if for multitasking, at Chat has actually done an AT and Me story with Zell, and she demonstrates the bone conducting headphones and a few other of these assistive technologies at work. So you can find that on the at Chat Facebook page. Type in at Chat with us. We're going to move over to the next one very briefly. Magnifier reader. So Zell can't see, so she doesn't use a magnifier reader and didn't respond to this question. Um, but Karen, you might be able to provide some value on this one. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, um, again, it's really hard to have a blanket answer for what what magnifier reader would work best without knowing the particular individual. Um, there's just such a large variety of choice in terms of the type, the size, the models, the features. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on the individual, the environment that you're going to use that technology in, as well as the work tasks that the person's having issues doing. Now, so. that's a very good um, occupational therapist <laughs> answer. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, but just what are some of the popular ones? And you're absolutely right in what you're saying, but just to give people a starting point to start to think about this space, what are some of the popular ones that they could have a a little bit of a look around at online. Um, so a, a portable video magnifier or a handheld one that you can pop in your bag and take with you. There is okay. a company called Humanware sells an Explorer range. So they have different sizes, um, five inch one. And these are physical bits of assistive technology you put over documents and yep, things to, to help read them. You, yep. to help you read them. So they allow you to change the contrast on the screen, increase the size. The advantage of something like this, again, from a glare management point of view, you can change the colors. You can also optimize Again, what color your vision picks up best? Sorry, um, was on this the screen? Was this the assistive technology that you hold, or is this now a software system? So, a portable video magnifier is basically different from a glass magnifier or a Sherlock Holmes or yes. whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, in the sense that it's a display on the screen. So, it's a video feed that displays on a small device. Okay. And that allows you to manipulate the display as well. So, you can change color, you can change size. So, when you have a glass magnifier, it's four times. Whatever you're reading or whatever you're looking at will be four times bigger. When you've got a portable video magnifier, you can have it be four times, eight times, 12 times. Great. Um, so, it's variable in the level of zoom that you can have or magnification that you can have. Um, So that's a portable one. There's desktop ones if you're wanting to read large volumes of text. Mm -hmm. I guess there's just, there's lots of different variety. Again, would recommend either contacting visibility. We've got all the equipment available, but you go through an assessment process to be able to find the one that suits you. Okay. Can I just add that I think trialing is really important because you know yourself what you would prefer. Yes. And you know yourself, your own limitations and what you're going to need this for. And sometimes the product you choose will depend on what you're going to use it for. Mm -hmm. You might need to choose two or three products because you'll need them for all different things. One product doesn't really always and well, often doesn't answer everything. And I think that's where peer groups are really useful and talking to other people that have similar lived experiences. Are there any peer groups that you would suggest linking in with Zell, particularly over Facebook, where you can put out there, you know, this is my situation. Has anyone found anything useful to start to explore that journey? Absolutely. So some of the really good Facebook groups, if you just search on Facebook itself, there's Blind Citizens WA. There's the Western Australian Blind Sports Federation. There is Deaf Blind West Australians. And there is the Australian Young uh, Vision Impaired Professionals. So that's really good for people wanting to make a career. 
Thank you, Zell. Oh, and then there's Apple Accessibility, sorry, and dinner dates. Now, dinner dates, uh, a friend of mine organises a dinner outing every fortnight, mainly for blind and vision impaired people, but we also have a few sighted people that come along as well. And of course, at chat, the Chatterbox. There is, yes. <laughs> On the at chat Facebook group, there's a group called Chatterbox and we yes. share assistive technology uh, on that page and there's a lot of people with vision impairment and blind users on there that can help. So often talking to people can help start what is sometimes a very overwhelming journey and then there's um, support with occupational therapists or other expert AT mentors that can help you to narrow down that journey. Can I just say it's so valuable, so important to talk to other people in your situation about the equipment that they use, especially when you're making a decision on mm-hmm. what to buy. Yes. My sister bought a Braille embosser. Mm-hmm. She didn't get advice from any of her peers and she bought something that she doesn't use. Yes. Because yeah. at the time it sounded good and the advice she got from the company, from the service providers was good, but she didn't have advice from people who were actually using the products Mm. and so she's not able to use it. Yeah, and each individual person will use things differently and that goes for anyone, whether you have a vision impairment or not. So thank you very much for that, Zell. Zell, this morning you made an interesting comment. You've got a new bit of assistive technology and when I see you at work, you have your headphones, usually um, you've either got the bone conducting headset on or you have one earbud in and you've got your screen reader going, you've got your computer going, there's conversations going, so many things happening. And this morning you brought out a bit of assistive technology that changed that for you. Can you tell us about that? So I've got with me right now what's called a Braille Sense. It's like it's a tablet, actually. We had tablets long before they were in the mainstream. And the great thing about this tablet is that it's got a Braille display, so I can read everything along or read it out and listen to people at the same time. So your hands are doing one thing, your hands are reading and your ears are listening. My ears have always been listening, but usually my ears listen to two or three things at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I have to listen to what the computer is saying. I have to listen to what everyone else is saying. And then if there's other sounds around, I I will take note of them as well. But when I've got this Braille sense, now I'm only listening really to what the other person is saying and I can just follow along using my fingers. So it's similar to where a sighted person would be looking and you know, doing things that are visual while they're actually talking on the phone to someone. And you said that you had a feeling of lightness. I do, because it just feels so, so much lighter to be able to focus Mm. on what someone else is saying. So I wanted to highlight that there is a lot of assistive technology out there that can help us with our work and going on the journey of finding what works for you so you can have the most efficient approach to your work is very important, but it is out there. Now we have a a quite a challenging question that came from Eric uh, and he asks, how can a blind or visually impaired person develop a realistic idea of what is an acceptable or achievable work output rate. Now, Zell, what are your thoughts on that question? That's a very difficult question to answer. There, If you're using technology to 
make information accessible to you if you're going to have to scan uh, information, whether it's from a hard copy or electronically. It's going to take longer. However, if you use an app that's very familiar to you or a website and you know exactly where to go, there are shortcut keys um, so you can uh, go to links uh, pretty much straight away on a website. You can actually get your job done very quickly, maybe even just as quickly as anyone else. Mm -hmm. However, it does depend on which versions of software you are using and the whether any update that's done to the software is done so with accessibility in mind. Often we get updates and what used to be accessible to us is no longer accessible. Okay. So, Karen, you've got an interesting point on that. We're just coming to the end. So quite quickly, how can people work on optimising their efficiency at work? Yeah, I think it's really important to have conversations with your employer as well in terms of what the realistic expectations for output. So if you know that you're going to take a little bit longer to do something, but you know what's expected of you and and you have that open communication with your employer, so maybe you don't feel that pressure or anxiety of, Mm -hmm. oh, I need to be faster at this. Yes. So having that open line of communication with the people that you're working with, I think will just help that that maybe that personal sort of weight that or expectation that you have on yourself. Yes. Um, and so also the employer can provide you things in an accessible way. I know, Zell, we work together and I don't give you, uh, you know, PDFs and I, do, I send you emails with easy to read information either in the, in the text box or a word attachment so it's yeah. easy for you to read. Absolutely. But I think it's important to note that when you first start a job and you're settling into it, it will take you longer Maybe then it will take someone else Mm -hmm. because you're getting used to your software, you're getting used to the job and you're going to find out how to do some things differently, maybe. So be prepared and don't don't let that get you down. Yes. And remember to talk to your peers, your peer support network, whether that's on Facebook or in person or on any social um, interaction that you have to, to get an idea of what other people are doing. Yeah. I think, look, intellectually, if you're just blind, intellectually you are you, you can operate at the same level as anyone else. Mm-hmm. But physically, uh, because you may have some barriers around technology and things like that, it might take you longer. Yes. Zell, I've got another question for you. For a lot of people, some of the assistive technology for the workplace can be expensive. Do you have any guidance for people on how they could look at funding for some of this assistive technology? Assistive technology is often very expensive anyway. If you're working, you have access to the employment assistance funds uh, and the workplace modification program. The best way that you can access that is through a website called jobaccess.gov.au. Jobaccess, J-O-B-A-C-C-E-S-S is one word, .gov.au. Now, if you're not working and if you are in an NDIS region, you can actually include some assistive technology in your NDIS plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so set your goals with your local planner and look at getting that assistive technology so you can become work ready. Yes. 
Absolutely. Um, just to add as well, if you're not on NDIS and you're not currently working and you're looking for some funding for assistive technology, Visibility does have a partnership with Independent Living Centre or a grant through the Independent Living Centre called Disability Equipment Grant. Yep. And it's for vision specific equipment. So we that that's something that's administered and, and through Visibility as well. And I believe you can get some training, funding for training under that as well. So if you get an assistive technology like JAWS and you haven't ever used it before, you can actually include training Training. in that funding. And training is called soft technology. It actually has a space in the NDIS as well. So make sure that you ask for soft technology to go along with your assistive technology because it's no good if you don't know how to use it. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. It's been fantastic. And our listeners, I hope that you have picked up something of value today to help you become more efficient in the workplace and have some meaningful and intellectually rewarding uh, work experiences. All of the groups that we have spoken about today and the assistive technology, we will put as a link along with this episode to help you find the assistive technology that best suits you. This concludes our work episode for the Live Play Work Assistive Technology Series. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Live Play Work Series. Please remember there are many AT solutions to meet individual needs that we have not explored here today. We encourage trial and seeking advice prior to purchasing any assistive technology. We encourage you to contact us and share your experiences.